to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hello, everybody. I'm glad you're back. I was thinking today, and of course, we were talking before the broadcast. This is a really great thought. It wasn't my thought, but it was a great thought. That, you know, we come out of our fasting time, we come out of our prayer, and a lot of times, people feel like they've stepped out of the momentum of their time of fasting and prayer. I'd actually be interested uh, to see if that's any of you. Like, we went so hard for 21 days. Throw a hand up in the comments. It's like we come out of it, and then it almost feels like you've lost some momentum spiritually. And people are like, man, and now it's over. You know, like, what do I do now? And uh, I know people feel like that. I have actually felt like that in the past. Because you do, it's like you pile up so much to do in a three-week period you know, you're pressing for so much, you're doing so many things as you're uh, pressed into the, the anointing for what you're believing for. And then it can end up feeling like when you come out of that time of fasting and prayer, it can feel like there's just like a cliff drop off. You know what I mean? If you identify with that, I can see some hands going up. It almost feels like you hit like a cliff drop off and it's like, well, that's over. So what do, what do I do now? That's what this broadcast is about. What do you do now? Because we just finished 21 days of fasting and prayer. And um, this is like the first week of no fasting and prayer, right? Like we we came off Sunday night and then here we are. It's Thursday. We've had like four days that we've been back to eating and, you know, whatever. But the thing is, it's such, it can be such a drastic change because of all that we were doing. It's like, hold up, like what, what's, what, you know, it almost feels like there's a huge gap and that's why I want to deal with it. We'll, we'll talk about that today. And in fact, I'm going to give you five action steps. As I said in the title, I'm going to give you five action steps to take immediately. And of course we're talking consistent daily basis type stuff that will ensure that you stay in that, uh, momentum. Charlene says, the fast was easier this year, but the distractions were worse. I definitely agree. The fast was, without question, easier this year. No question. Uh, But when you jump out, it's like, okay. So you don't, what you don't want to have happen, right, is you don't want to be like up here on this spiritual high, fasting, 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 fasting. You stop, and then it just cuts off and drops off. And you're like, you know, everything's back to normal. In, in one sense, nothing should go back to normal. Morning, Joel. Nothing should go back to normal uh, once you come off of your fast. It should have been a point, almost like a springboard, uh, to what God has for the rest of your year. And so um, fasting's not the end. It's just the beginning of what God's going to do. So I know that these five things will help you today. I'm going to give them to you. Uh, put them in the comments, put them down. If you're taking uh, notes, and then if you're listening on the podcast, do the same. Make some notes. And then 
I encourage you, employ these immediately. I mean, beginning today, employ these immediately. It will definitely help you. It really should be, you know, you, if you're looking at like, if it was like on a, on a, a graph, you should see like as this, this rise of uh, uh, spiritual dedication is taking you higher, higher, higher in your spiritual life. When the fast comes to an end, it shouldn't drop you off back down to where you were. The fast should come to an end, but then you should be able to continue to rise uh, throughout, your, throughout your entire year. And um, so let me talk about that uh, on this broadcast today. And thanks for um, sharing. Those of you that are coming on, thank you for taking time to share. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll outline these. I'll give you some scriptures and talk. I'm going to talk through these action points to show you what to do now that we are, uh, you know, out of the time of fasting. But again, let me just say, just because we're out of the time of fasting doesn't mean we should be out of the time of prayer, right? We shouldn't be out of, we shouldn't stop praying because we stopped fasting. So let me give you this. Number one, the number one thing I want to deal with at the, right at the outset is maintain your routines. Just because the, the fast came to an end and we're eating again, maintain your routines, maintain your routines. So that's number one, maintain your routines. You say, what do you, what do you mean specifically by that? Well, as I just said, the fasting may have come to an end, but your prayer time should not have come to an end. Your uh, study of God's word should not have come to an end. So those types of routines that are your, what we would call spiritual disciplines. And I know that We've taught on how they are supernatural transactions, and they are. But you still have to discipline your flesh to actually do it and use self-control. But maintain those routines. And just because you're... I'll tell you what ends up happening to people. Is like we've pressed so hard. And I I know. And by the way, I'm so proud of everybody that stayed with it. uh, Because this is not the norm in America, unfortunately. There are a lot of people that... Uh, not only do they never would fast, they don't pray. They don't pray. The average Christian does not spend time in prayer significantly. And so the fact that we were doing that uh, is huge. But, but here's what ends up happening. If you go back to what everybody else is doing, well, of course you're going to lose momentum. Um, you have to continue on. But a lot of times people jump into fasting and they're like all gung-ho on all these uh, disciplines while we're in the fast. They're like, man, I'm reading, you know, I'm reading nine chapters a day, 11 chapters of the Bible a day. I'm praying, uh, you know, f- for an hour. I'm doing all these different things. And, and, and it's like, man, I'm really going after it. And then the fast comes to an end. And it's almost like in, in people's minds, they linked those things to the fast. It's like, well, now the fast is over. I'm not going to read the Bible 11 chapters a day. and I'm not going to spend time in prayer significantly like I did in the fast. And your flesh rushes back in, right? You gave it food and now your your calories are back up and you got strength and everything. And your flesh rushes back in in strength and starts to resist you again. Your flesh starts to resist you again. So all the more important to use that Holy Spirit empowered self-control and say, yeah, but just because I'm eating doesn't mean that I'm cutting out my Bible study and I'm not cutting out my prayer time. So number one, maintain your routines and say, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. If I was reading, you know, 11 chapters, nine chapters of the Bible a day on the fast, I'm going to do the same, even though the fast is over. I've told you this many times before, but if you'll set that reading plan where 
um, you read nine chapters of the Bible a day through, from Matthew all the way through the book of Acts. And then you switch to eight chapters a day from Romans to Revelation. You will read the New Testament every month. Think of how amazing that is. It takes the same amount of time to watch a Netflix episode as it does to complete those nine chapters. So nine chapters from Matthew to Acts and then eight chapters from Romans to Revelation, you will read the New Testament every month. And that's a powerful discipline. And you can do that. So just because the fast came to an end, don't stop going hard with your disciplines Continue on in your Bible study, your Bible reading. You know, maybe you'll do a month where you do the 9-8 the like I just said. But then maybe you'll do in uh, uh, March, maybe what you'll do is you'll step out and say, you know, I'm going I'm to just study this book of the Bible and go deep on it. And then maybe in April you say, you know, I'm going to do a topical study on healing. And I'm just going to go after it and study everything the Bible has to say about divine healing. And then you just continue on. Make goals for yourself in that way. And then your prayer, listen, don't slack off on your prayer time just because the fast is over. Stay in, stay in, press in. Somebody asked me a great question, because I know if you're not used to all this, I thought it was a really great question, came on Instagram. And somebody said to me, Brother Ted, why do we set specific times for our prayer? And, and, And the the context of the question was, is there like a supernatural thing about setting a time? Is there like some either biblical principle or is there some supernatural principle for setting a time of, of, for prayer? And uh, I said, do you mean like a length of time or do you mean uh, like scheduling it at a time of day? And they were talking about scheduling it at a time of day. I said, well, there's nothing supernatural about scheduling a time of prayer uh, and it's, it's not anything like that. I said, the reason we do it is because if we don't do it that way, a lot of times what will happen is that your day will get right by you and you never took time to pray. I mean, we are busy people. We're all busy people. Uh, so if you don't schedule it, that's why I always encourage people to schedule it. Even if you got to put it on your Google calendar or whatever, you have Apple calendar, put it on there and say, hey, from, from seven to eight, in the morning before I get ready for work or whatever your schedule is, I'm going to spend that time in prayer and in the word. And and you put it on your calendar. The reason, if you'll treat it just like it's an appointment, you'll have far more chance of completing it than you will if you just say, well, at some point today, I'm going to read the word. At some point today, I'm going to pray. What ends up happening is because there's no schedule is you'll go right through your day. and, And I'll tell you this, Um, life hates gaps. Put that in the comments. It will help you. Life hates gaps. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, as well as I do, there's no, just like free time. It always gets filled with something. Free time gets filled with something. That's kind of like a thing of the past because life hates gaps. And we have so many things now to fill the gaps that You just don't see, well, I got, you know, I got an hour and a half of free time here. There'll be something filling that. So what you have to do is you have to say, okay, since I know that life hates gaps and that we don't live life in a vacuum, I'm going to put this on my calendar 
And even if you put it in your mental calendar, say, this is what I do every day. You say, okay, from seven to eight, I'm getting with the Lord in prayer and in his word. And nothing's going to override that uh, appointment on my calendar. You know, and that means, okay, so what does that mean to you? Maybe you didn't, maybe you don't start getting ready for work till normally till 730. So you wake up around 715 or you wake up at seven. Okay, but now because you've got an appointment and you, it is an appointment, but it's with the Lord. You say, okay, so now that I know I have that appointment, I'm now going to be getting up at 630 because then I got time to make my coffee. I got time to get in there and sit down and focus myself, open my Bible, get set. And by seven, I'm launched in. By seven, I'm launched in. I'm in the word. I'm praying, right? You treat it like an appointment so that you'll keep it. And number one, uh, Chevy, is maintain your routines. Number one, maintain your routines, your prayer time, your study of the word. Maintain those routines, right? By setting an appointment for yourself, you, you ensure, I'm going to, and the thing is, uh, the more specific, the more specific, yeah, and, and um, I like what Glenn said, and I'm going to talk about that. He said, I like mornings because it's building defenses for your day. And it's, yeah, like he said, building defenses, it's prepping you. It's prepping you for, for what's going, you know, what if the Lord was to speak to you in the morning about things that were going to take place during your day? See, now you've got a leg up on the world. You've got a leg up. It's your advantage to have the Holy Spirit as your guide, right? That's a divine advantage. And so, um, as like, uh, the Psalmist wrote, Lord, early will I seek thee early? Will I seek thee? Um, being a first thing, it's also you giving God your first and best. Did you know that there are even uh, studies within the productivity community that show that everyone's best work is done before lunchtime? Raise your hand in the comments if you knew that, that studies have shown that everyone's best work is done before lunchtime. That when they've done studies on this, after the lunch break hour, there's a sharp decline in productivity in the business world, a sharp decline. Well, why is that? Well, the moment you eat, and most, of, most people eat a carb-heavy uh, uh, lunch, and then what happens is once you hit that sugar crash and you come back, focus is lost and discipline is lost, strength is lost, energy is lost, and everything begins to decline until the end of your day. That's why productivity experts will even tell you, do your most important work before lunch. Not your, uh, you know, most urgent work, do the most important work. What's going to take most of your brain power? What's going to take most of your energy and focus? Don't answer emails. Don't come into your office and start answering emails and, you know, making phone calls. Do the work that's going to take your energy and your focus and your brain power. Why? Because that's the most productive time of day. And I think what Glenn is saying plays into that as well, because one of the things that happens is I'm giving God my first and my best. I don't want to push him off until I'm tired and have no energy, no, unfocused and all those things, right? And so we're giving God our first and our best of the day. And so I know a lot of people like to do it that way. And so um, I encourage you, set a schedule, set a an appointment with the Lord, and then you'll be more likely to keep it. If you've listened to this broadcast for any period of time, you'll know that we uh, will talk about 
uh, making SMART goals. Now, of course, I'm sure you're familiar with that if you've done any study on business or productivity. SMART goals, they are specific. They are measurable, right? They're attainable. They're realistic and they're time sensitive. So what do those things mean to me when it comes to prayer and the word? Well, obviously, we're not going to set a goal for ourselves and say, you know, I'm just going to read the Bible today. What does that mean? Because if you read one verse, you've accomplished the goal. I read the Bible. But that's not what you mean when you say, I'm going to read the Bible today, obviously. So be specific about that goal. I'm going to read nine chapters today, right? Nine chapters. Now there's a goal because you're very specific with it. And at the same time, it's measurable because you can see, well, how quickly, how much have I gone through my specific goal? Well, I'm five chapters in. All right. Well, it's measurable. I got four to go. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at in my, my process. And then of of course it's attainable. You got to have something that's uh, attainable. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to say I'm going to read the whole Bible this morning. Well, you don't have time to read the whole Bible. You don't have time to read the whole Bible. So set an attainable goal. Nine chapters is attainable. Reading the whole Bible is not. And then, of course, uh, I said realistic, but I believe it's relevant. I believe it's actually relevant to your your own purpose or your business or whatever it is. Well, obviously, setting these these goals for spiritual disciplines is going to be relevant to any Christian. It's going to be relevant to any Christian. And then, of course, time-sensitive. If you don't put time sensitivity on your goals, then what ends up happening is it's easy to procrastinate. You can push it off and push it off. Well, I'll read it at some point. No, don't say at some point. At 7 a.m., I'm just giving you an example. At 7 a.m., I am going to begin this process from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. I have an hour that I've put on my uh, schedule, on my calendar. This is my time sensitive goal. So that means that this goal does not take place at 10 a.m. or at 10 p.m. It takes place at 7 to 8, okay? So it's not just relevant to me. It's not just specific, measurable, and attainable. It also, I've got a time sensitivity, so I know what I'm going to have to do and when I have to do it and when it needs to be completed. That's very important. That's very important. It eliminates uh, the default of procrastination because you're setting an appointment. You can't just say to a doctor or a dentist or anybody, a mechanic, you know, I'd like to, um, like to, I'd like to bring my car in. I'd like to come in for a, a surgery uh, and uh, I'll just be there when I feel like coming. No, you can't just tell them you're going to be there when you feel like coming. They've got to schedule it. It's got to be an appointment. They've got to be ready for you. They got to know when you're going to be there, right? The only people that can do that to you is the cable guy. I'll be there sometime today between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. They're the only people that can do it to you. Um, But we've got to be time sensitive. And the same is true with your prayer. Reading the word and prayer. So maintain your routines, but make sure you put put a system together that it protects you from just letting these things go out the window. A lot of, this is the reason that a lot of Christians fail in keeping these as a daily, routine or a daily discipline is because they don't do those uh, smart goal routines. They don't get specific with how much they're going to actually do for the Lord or so they can't measure it. And then, uh, or even if they're not doing that, it can't be attainable then, can it? Anything you don't define is not attainable, right? It's it's like saying, I think I'm just going to lose weight. Well, if you've lost an ounce, you've accomplished your purpose, but you didn't mean that, did you? 
Human, you, that's why I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, that's good, but it's still not the best. I want to lose 10 pounds in three months. Now that is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time sensitive, right? So it's important to do that or else these things aren't going to get done. So maintain your routines. This will help you from coming out of the fast with all these spiritual things in place. And it'll, it'll stop there from being a cliff drop off to your spiritual life. Because a lot of times we feel like we're in this spiritual bubble. We're on a high. We've been pressing in, fasting, praying, reading, uh, pressing in, you know, all this. And then there's just like, okay, what do we do? What do we do now? This is what you do now. This is what you do now. So number one, uh, maintain your routines. Number two, second thing you do, action step for you, stay in community. This is big. Stay in community. One of the things people even have been commenting in the private Facebook group, is anybody else sad it's over? You know, provoking responses from the people that were, were connected together during the fast. You know, we were all together, what, twice a day, morning and night, in the private Facebook group, answering questions, talking about our testimonies, talking about our prayer requests. So stay in the community. Stay around people that are also pressing in, right? Private Facebook group is still there. You can still share your testimonies. You can still put your prayer requests in. You can still contact those that you know are pressing in for more from God. The other thing I'll say about that is, um, you know, let your church attendance. Now, listen, we still have the two broadcasts going a day. It's not like we don't have the broadcasts. You can still log on just like you were during the fast, 1030 and 9 p.m. You can still jump on, but uh, make sure even with your church, if you're in a good church, you know as well as I do, you've got to discipline yourself to stay faithful. When the doors are open, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Well, that's part of surrounding myself with like-minded believers that are on fire for God, that are pressing for greater, staying connected uh, to people that are also doing what you're doing. It's very hard to um, maintain disciplines. That's why they'll tell you, you will become the uh, average of the five people you hang around the most. This is why it's so important who you surround yourself with. Because you'll become the average of the five people that you hang around the most. So if you, and that's why they look at people's cultures, people that get together, you know, they all kind of work the same type of jobs. They all drive the same type of cars. They all live in the same type of homes. They all have the same type of uh, hobbies and habits. Uh, what happens? You build that community and they all kind of start doing the same thing. So if you want something different than what they have, you got to change your circle up. Say so like, I don't want to surround myself with a bunch of spiritually dead people, with a bunch of lukewarm and cold people. I don't want that. Because if I surround myself with uh, lukewarm people that the, their, the, their heart has grown cold toward the things of God, eventually I'm going to start being like they are. My heart will start to grow cold. I'll start being lukewarm. Hey, we're not going to church tonight. We're actually going to go out to eat. You want to go with us? You know, we're all going to kind of hit Applebee's and you know, it's like, okay, so what's happening? You've got people pressuring you to do what they're doing and you end up becoming like they are. So if you don't want that, you got to surround yourself with the different types of people that you do want. I want on fire people around me. 
I want self-motivators around me. I want people that press in and that will not be denied, people that are hustling toward the things of God. And so that's who I surround myself with. I surround myself with those types of people because that's what I want to see in my own life. I want people that dream big. I want people that have a vision that's beyond, right, where they're at now. And then I want to hear how they talk. I want to see what they do. And I want to, uh, you know, I want to copy those things. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 17 uh, that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Again, that's Proverbs 27 and verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And so you got to surround yourself with the type of people that are pressing for greater. You just have to. So stay in community. Don't stop contacting the people you were contacting and staying with. Yeah. Maria said Tiggers. She's talking about the, t- don't get the Eeyores, get the Tiggers. You've got to do it. You have to do it. it. It makes or breaks you. When I tell you your friendships, your connections, everything makes or breaks you, it absolutely does. That's why they tell you, like even in the world, if you were an alcoholic, stop hanging around people that drink all the time. If you're trying to get free from alcoholism and you're doing it the natural way, well, even they'll tell you, well, stop hanging out at bars. Stop going around people that, all, that drink all the time. Stop surrounding yourself with people that are doing the thing you don't want to do anymore because it's going to be a pressure to you. Amen. And so the, even they understand your connections matter. They matter greatly. So if you don't want this to drop off, stay around people that stay on fire all the time, not just in a fast, but all the time. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's number two. Number one, maintain your routines. Number two, stay in community. Hallelujah. Number three, and this is a helpful one, because uh, you don't want to stay just focusing inwardly on yourself all the time. You don't want to just always be looking at you. You want to focus on others. You want to be able to focus on other people and help them and encourage them. So number three, take this step of encouraging others. This is huge. And I'm going to show you a scripture uh, regarding this. Take steps to constantly encourage others, constantly refresh others, build others up, use your energy to build others up in the Lord, encourage others in the Lord. Amen. Caitlin said, me and a few ladies decided to do a Bible study together weekly over video. I'm excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Those are the types of things that I'm talking about. Take those action steps, take that initiative to say, you know what? Now, now look at, look at that. She combined two things. Now I'm going to tell you why this is so powerful. She combined two things. This is called habit stacking, and this will help you because she's not just maintaining her routines with Bible study, number one, but number two, she's staying in community to do so. So she, she stacked those two habits or what does that end up doing for you? It ends up giving you accountability, right? It's like going to the gym with multiple people that you can't just say, well, I'm not going to the gym today. No, 
you, now you have other people that are waiting on you and depending on you and they need someone to spot them when they lift. And it's better to do it with, with a community because it provides accountability. And so when you stack these together, I've got spiritual habits plus I've got a group of people or a community and now we're, we're, we're in accountability. And that's why I wanted to encourage you. And Britt, it just was right where I'm at. Britt was saying Miracle Word Church prayer group was fire. So excited for that. Well, that's one of the reasons we started that after the fast is that we know prayer is important. But look what we did. We put it to community and we, we, we created teams. You know, we had over 130 people sign up and we had like 78 people praying live, praying live on Tuesday. And it's going to be every Tuesday. And if you haven't joined, we want you to join. This is part of staying on fire. This is part of it. You can go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer team, sign up for the men's group or the women's group. Uh, we want, and we're believing that we'll have at least a hundred people live praying every week. That's what we're going to build to at first goal. First goal. We got over that signed up. We want you live on the prayer call. We're doing it via zoom every Tuesday night at 7 PM Eastern. And you don't have to be a part of Miracle Word Church to be in this group. We've got people from other churches. There's people from all over the country, other countries. People coming in, like Nancy was praying from Denmark. We had uh, uh, Josue from Venezuela. There's people coming in from other countries, uh, other states. Join and be a part. It's faith building, and, uh, and we're, we're going to see miracles from that. Well, what are we doing? We're keeping our routines, and we're adding community. We're doing it together. We're doing it together. You're not logging on, and uh, this is kind of our, our, our method moving forward. Um, yeah, Fernando was on. We're not just... One, you're not logging on to listen to one person pray and we're, and we're dealing, you know, moving forward. That's our goal. Our men's group call, you know, brother Glenn prayed for a little bit. I prayed for a little bit, but then we called on the men and said, men, come on, step up. You take some time, you pray. And then the other men would jump on. They would pray. And, uh, Josue prayed and Mike Laval prayed. And I mean, just, we went right down the list. Alex prayed and, uh, Alexander Padilla prayed and Zach prayed and what are we doing? We're all exercising our faith. We're all exercising our faith. We need that. We need that. And so, um, number three, you want to encourage others, spend time encouraging other people. Reason I say that, listen to, uh, Proverbs 11 and verse 25. And, uh, Dina, we, we text out the links for everybody to join. Uh, we text out a PDF and we text out the actual URL link to join the prayer group. Uh, make sure he's properly signed up in Superphone with his number uh, so that we can text because that's how we're doing it. Uh, Tiffany, did you say we're going to have, have something available where they'll be able to access uh, the link and stuff all on one page since it's the same link every week? Okay, so we'll have that. Even if he didn't get the text, we're going to try to create a page on the website where all the information for people that are already signed up can access it every week. And you can see if, if you forgot how to get on or whatever, it will give it to you. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Listen to this. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. One who waters will himself be watered. Let me read it to you also from the New Living Translation and listen to how it's, it's worded here. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
Hallelujah. So as you're refreshing other people, as you're encouraging other people, as you're building them up, remember, everything you release from your life is a seed. Paul was very clear. Whatsoever a man sows, anything, it's not just finances. If you sow love into other people, expect love back. If you sow peace, expect peace. Amen. You sow generosity, expect generosity. If you sow refreshing to others, encouragement, expect refreshing and encouragement to come upon you. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And that's the key. So take the time. Don't just focus on you, focus on others. Because as you're doing it for someone else, it'll come upon you. And you'll be in that moment of encouragement, refreshing. You're not going to be dealing with the ups and downs. It's just encouragement and refreshing. The Lord, you can encourage yourself in the Lord, but you know how good it feels to encourage somebody else and to take them from being down and pull them up. Glory to God. So take that time. And that's one of the wonderful things. When we come together as a a body of believers in church, you know, you have the opportunity to encourage others in the house of God. I was just doing that on the way into church last night. And then they, people were sharing their testimonies with me from the fast and other things. and, And we're encouraging one another. And that's very important. If you want to stay in that momentum, stay in that flow of encouragement, refreshing others, refreshing others, refreshing others. Watch what God will use you to do. It's supernatural. You don't even know where people are. You don't know if the devil's attacking them, attacking their mind, lying to them, deceiving them. But then you step up. Here you come with a word of life. Hallelujah. You come in with a word of life and all of a sudden, Their burdens are lifted. Their cares are lifted just from fellowshipping with you. (laughs) I've told people before, you can't, you hang around me for a little bit. You'll not be able to stay sad. You can't stay sad around me. I carry joy on my being. I impart joy. You can't stay around me for any period of time and stay sad and depressed. It'll leave you. It will leave you. Amen. And you got to be like that. Say, look, you know what? We carry the joy of the Holy Ghost. I impart the joy of the Holy Ghost, the peace, the love of God. You can't stay in that state because what's on me will get on you. I'm contagious. I'm very contagious. I shouted that in the lobby of a hotel in 2020 and 14 people turned around with a horror stricken look on their face. (laughs) That's a true story. I was in Texas. I did it have to be ornery. Encourage others. Number four, let me give you this. Here's a novel idea. Are you ready? Don't eliminate fasting altogether. (laughs) Number four, don't eliminate fasting altogether. Don't say, well, the fast is over. I'll fast again next year when January comes. Don't do that. Maybe your extended fast, you did that. But take more time throughout your year. Maybe take a day a week. Maybe take three days a month together and say, you know what? I'm going to fast again. Here comes February. I'm going to spend three days in February fasting. Here comes March. I'm going to spend a week. Every week, I'm going to spend a day fasting. Whatever it might be, you choose it. Unless the Lord leads you with something specific, you choose it. Don't eliminate fasting altogether. Continue in that. uh, You're talking about people, and I wrote about this. You hear people like, well, brother, I'm not on the 21-day fast. I live a fasted life. Okay. Well, uh, if you live a fasted life, can I define that for you? A, A fasted life, scripturally, is not 
you know, well, I eat my dinner, but I don't eat the whole plate. I don't eat everything that's on the plate. You know, I'll eat until just until I'm satisfied and then I push the plate away. That's not a fasted life. That's eating a little bit. That's not a fasted life. A true, what, what a true fasted life is, is what the early church did, according to the Didache. What they did is that they spent time actually fasting throughout their life. That's a fasted life. A fasted life is saying, you know what, maybe um, I'll take a day a week, I'll take three days a month, I'll take four days a month, whatever it might be to you, and say, I'm going to continue on in biblical fasting, which is not eating food. I'm going to continue on not eating food and praying throughout my year. That is a fasted life. That is a fasted life. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a standard part of my life. That's what the church did. They made it a standard part of their life. Two days every week. Wednesdays and Fridays. Two days every week for the early church. Did it for hundreds of years. That is a fasted life. So don't el- eliminate fasting altogether. That's, we shouldn't do that. It should be something that's a part of our life. And, and here's the deal. Is that uh, by keeping yourself in that routine, it actually will ensure that you don't um, just give all the, you know, because here's the, here's the problem. When you, if you've never done this kind of stuff before, you jump into uh, an extended fast and it's like, it's like shell shock. It's like, dang, I, I've never, I've never been in this before. I've never done 21 days. This is like serious for me. Okay. So maybe you've never done a fast before and you jump into the 21 days of fasting. It's like shell shock. But, but here's the deal. Once you come out of it, don't go back to saying, well, here goes another year from, you know, February to, to you know, December. I'm not going to fast again. Don't let your flesh build back up to where like, you know, it's, it's back in control of you again. Keep it in check. You know, it's almost like, uh, like a, a maintenance fasting. It's like a maintenance fasting. I'm going to continue. Though I finished my 21 days, now I'm going to hit it a day a week, three days a month, whatever it might be for you. And, and I'm going to keep this flesh in check. I'm going to keep this flesh in check. It's like, you can't say, well, I changed the oil on my car one time. I'll never have to do that again. No, you have to continue to maintenance your vehicle. You have to continue to change the oil. You have to continue to fill it with gas. You got to continue to wash it, right? You have to maintenance, you have to maintenance that vehicle. You got to keep that flesh constantly in check. So do what the early church did by example, through the expectation of Jesus. They just kept pressing in, kept pressing in. And it should encourage you because uh, Paul wrote to the Galatians in the fifth chapter that the flesh is constantly warring or fighting against the spirit. And one of the ways that you can keep it in check is to stay in that lifestyle of fasting, in that lifestyle of fasting and prayer on a constant basis. And, and, And let me tell you, it does work. It absolutely does work. And, um, It'll help you. It'll absolutely help you. Let me move on and give you number five here today before we pray. Um, And this is a wonderful thing to add to your life. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Sherry. Um, Thank you, Patricia. Is it Patricia or Patricia? Number five, and I like this. If you've never done this, you need to start doing it. Review your breakthroughs and look back often. Review your breakthroughs and look back often. Put that in, number five. 
review your breakthroughs, and look back often. You know, there's a reason why people that are really looking for a transformation, even in their body, there's something called before and after pictures. And I know that, um, Trish, okay. Before and after pictures. I know everybody watching, I'm sure, is familiar with that concept. And they show it on weight loss, infomercials. People do it when they're working out. Why do they do it? Here's the question. Why do they do it? If you live uh, away from your other family, extended family, when you go to visit them for the holidays and you bring your children, what do they always say when you come in to the house for the first time they haven't seen you most? Oh my goodness, your kids got so big, right? You hear that. Oh my goodness, the kids are so big. Look how big they are. Look how tall they are. But you, to you, it's just like, no, that's just my kids. That's what they look like. Why? Because you've been seeing your kids grow millimeter by millimeter every day, right? Millimeter by millimeter. So you don't, nece- you don't necessarily um, notice the change. You don't notice the change, but it's a stark change to them because they've not seen them in maybe months and they've not been around them. So the last time they saw them, and you'll hear them say stuff like that. Man, last time I saw your kids, they were this big, they were down here. Look at them now, they're so big, they look so old. Well, it's a stark contrast to them because there's been a gap of time that they've not seen your children. <laughs> we just, uh, uh, the girls and Teddy, we fostered these, these two kittens. They came in as kittens. And uh, before the broadcast today, my daughter Maddie, she sent me a, a picture. She said, look at Sailor. Look how little he was. And she sent me a picture. Now, he's a big, he's a big cat now. And I said, I'd never get uh, cats in my entire life. And then look what your children do to you. They come to you with those big eyes that are watery. I said, Dad, but can't we keep this? Dad, please. I love this cat so much with my whole life. And I will care for this cat. And I will sleep with this cat. And I will love this cat. And then as a father, your heart softens. And now we have cats. But anyway... Um, <laughs> oh Lord. And sailor was so little. We got him as a kitten. He was just a little kitten. Lena was just a little kitten. And now, uh, sailors a huge, I mean, he looks like a lion walking around. He's a big old cat and he's a bully. He's always, he's always like <laughs> tackling Lena down and, you know, biting her ears. And she's like always growling at it. But literally, um, <laughs> He's so huge, but we, it's like, you don't notice because it's day by day by day by day, getting bigger, 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 bigger. And all of a sudden, then I look at this picture that she sent over today and it's like, man, look how little he was. He was so small. He was so small and and we don't notice it, but that's why it's good to have, uh, to review your breakthroughs and look back often. That's why it's good to have a, uh, you know, a, a before and after picture right? That's what they do even with, with uh, weight loss and working out. Why? Because you can get discouraged thinking, I'm not making any progress. Well, why? You're seeing yourself every day. And maybe the progress is steady, but it's slow. And you think, oh, I'm not making any progress. I don't, I'm not getting anywhere with this. I don't know if it's working. 
Keep a journal, keep a before and after, and look back and review the things God has done. We do that often. I look back, I mean, I look back often, and I'm like, this is wild. This is wild. Bert's saying the same thing. People say, they don't even recognize me. I feel like I haven't changed that much. Then I look back at pictures and don't recognize myself. That's exactly right. And do it with your spiritual life. And look back at your miracles, your breakthroughs, your answered prayers. I'm looking back right now at what God has done in this ministry even since we came to Florida. It's night and day. I was laughing on our, on our breakthrough night of fasting. And Zach and Heather aren't even here yet. But the, the studio was filled with people. It was like bustling movement everywhere. Just constant. Well, why? We went from having one person that worked with us until now there's a whole team of people. A huge team of people, and they're everywhere. We're doing all, all kinds of things. And I know it feels a lot of times like we're running at 100 million miles an hour, but that's what growing things do. They move and move and move. And uh, I just look back, and even since we came to Florida, 2017, and I mean, you know, we're not even, we're coming up on six year mark, coming up on the six year mark in, in uh, uh, April, and it's mind blowing. All that God has done, and really even these last three years, have been hyper-increase. 2020 till now, hyper-increase. Like, I, I look back and think to myself, good Lord. Like, I was in a little room in my house with one camera talking to everybody. <laughs> I mean, like, I look at all that the Lord's done in a short span of time. The explosion in our ministry. The explosion in our impact. Can I give you a testimony? I spoke with the leader of a, and I say leader, the, the manager, the, pre, the manager, I would say, the station manager of a, a television network in West Palm Beach yesterday. And he said, man, we've got to get, we've got to get your program on. I want everybody in West Palm Beach to know about Miracle Word Church. That's what the station manager is telling me. It was a wonderful, wonderful, you want to talk about marvelous in our eyes. Let me give you a breakthrough. He says, uh, I want you to, I want to get your program going. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do because we, we used to be on a West Palm Beach and then we focused on our around the world television, as you guys know. And um, he said, I want to get you on. I want everybody to know about Miracle Word Church. He said, I'm going to play you for the first two months absolutely free. He said, I'm, I'm, you, you send me a program a week. He said, but I'm not going to play you once a week. I'm going to play you about four times a week. And it's absolutely free. He said, I'm going to run commercials all through around all our programming for your church. Absolutely free. And he said, and then when I write up a contract at the end of two months, I'm going to honor your old prices from years ago, from years ago. He said, I'll give you, even though inflation, even though things have gone up, I will do the same pricing. He said, and then because I want to see Miracle Word Church take off, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I want to give you a prime time spot on Sunday mornings. He said, I want to run you for an hour every Sunday morning in prime time. He said, though we have people now, I want to move them to different times and I want to put Miracle Word Church on in prime time on Sunday mornings. Let me tell you, that is favor. That's a miracle. That is God moving. That's not me. I didn't, you know, it's not like I was calling around the television stations. God linked, if you haven't heard the testimony of this, God linked he and I up together. And I was preaching at my home church in uh, Abundant Life uh, Church in, in Margate. Um, and I was, they asked me to preach in, in November. And so I, I, we had just announced the church to you guys at the partner banquet and I got up and I was just preaching at the church. Well, here he comes. He's in the auditorium 
for, for the service that I'm preaching. And I met him afterwards. They said, there's a man here that runs a, a, a television network. He'd like to meet you. And I, I got to meet him. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. And he was excited. He said, heard you're launching a church in West Palm Beach. Yes. He said, we got to get you on. We got to, we'll make it happen. We want everybody to know the church is coming. And so God connected us in that service. The very next day, I'm talking Monday after the Sunday, my wife and I were headed up to West Palm Beach. Uh, we were having uh, breakfast with, with Erica, who's on the broadcast often. And um, we sat down at a restaurant in West Palm Beach. And as we're sitting at our table, of all the restaurants that are in West Palm Beach, all of the places you could go for breakfast, I looked to my right, and at the table right next to mine is the same man sitting there meeting with two other people. We just talked yesterday in church an hour away, and here he is the next morning sitting at the table next to me. That's a divine assignment. That's not a coincidence. That's a God connection. That's how that works. Keep your eyes open for signs. You don't have to recognize too much. I mean, that that's a sign from God. There's no coincidence in the kingdom. God orchestrates things. God orchestrates things. And God connected us together. And the Lord did it for a purpose because he wants to see Miracle Word Church expand and make an impact on West Palm Beach. And then he gives me this news yesterday. And it's, it's mind-blowing. It's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. So I look back. I look back even over three years. We weren't on television around the world. You know what I mean? We, we weren't doing what we're doing now. We didn't have these places. We, you know, now we have two of these places. We have the studio, all cameras, lights, LED. I mean, all the stuff paid for. We're not in debt for anything at all. Nothing at all. And I sit here and look back and think, my Lord, my Lord, what God has done in a short period of time See, but, it, but if we just go day by day, it's like, well, are we even getting anywhere? You know, are we, even, are we even doing anything? Seems like we've been, no, no, no. Just take a look back. Just take a look back at what God has done in a short period of time and then just start praising him. Just start praising him and thanking him because breakthroughs are happening. Breakthroughs are taking place for you, for your family, your business, your ministry. Look where you were a year ago and look where you are now. Amen. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 43. And uh, of course, this is uh, the Lord speaking to and dealing with Israel. But um, I want to read this to you. Starting in verse number uh, 14, Isaiah 43, 14. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord. Now remember this. He's, he's reminding them of things that he's done. Thus says the Lord, verse 16, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down and they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Now, now notice this. <laughs> He's reminding them. Don't you remember when I opened up the Red Sea? Don't you remember when I brought you through on dry ground? Don't you remember when I called Pharaoh and his army into the midst of the seabed? And then I closed the water down around them and they can rise no more. I destroyed your enemies. I brought you out of bondage. I brought you out of slavery. But then look at verse 18. 
Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. So the New Living Translation says, but forget all that. But forget all that. So really, really, Lord, you just took the time to remind us of all the things you've done for us. You just took the time to give us testimony after testimony of your goodness, what you've done. Here's a pattern here. I want you to see the pattern. You, he's given us a before and after picture. But just because there's a before and after picture doesn't mean he wants you to stop pressing for the future, for the greater. So watch what he does. I did all those things for you, but forget all that. But forget all that. Remember not the former things or consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Hallelujah. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Okay? So the Lord is saying, look at all that I've done. Look where you came from. Look at everything I accomplished for the nation of Israel. Look at all, look how I brought you out of bondage and destroyed your captors and brought you to where you are now. I fed you in the desert. I gave you quail. I gave you water from a rock. I gave you manna on the ground. Look at all the things, but forget all that because I'm about to do a new thing. Can you not see it? Can you not perceive it? So what is the Lord doing before and after pictures? Look what, look how far you've come and I'm not done yet. Glory to God. Woo. That'll keep your momentum flowing to know, look how far. And I look at, I thank God. Thank God for all he's done for miracle word. Thank God for all he's done in your ministry, your life, your business, your family. Thank God for that. But here's the best news. He's not done yet. I feel the gift of faith on that. He's not done yet. God's not done. <laughs> when I was singing the other night, I had the keyboard out. We were singing, God's not through blessing you. God's not through blessing you. Never give up what he said he will do. God's not through blessing you. We sang that over and over and over and over. And that's your word. God's not through blessing you. God's not through blessing you. Never give up what he said he will do. Oh God is not through blessing you. That's your story. God's not done. Look where he brought you from and thank him for it and praise him for it and get excited about it. But then know he's about to do a new thing. He's not done blessing you. This is not the end of the road. You've not hit the cap. There is no glass ceiling that can stop the goodness of God. He will do exceeding abundantly and above all you can ask or think according to the power that works within you. So God's not through blessing you. God's not through blessing you. Never give up what he said he will do. Oh, God is not through blessing you. That's your story. That's your story in Jesus name. Stay on fire. Maintain your routines, stay in community, encourage others, don't eliminate fasting altogether and review your breakthroughs and look back often and then know God's not done blessing you. Hallelujah. God's not done blessing you. Father, I pray for your precious people today. I thank you for everything you did during the fast. I thank you for every miracle, every sign, every wonder. I thank you, Lord, that your plan is to take us higher. I thank you that you have uh, things set aside for us. We've never seen the likes of them before. We've never seen anything like this. And I thank you, Lord, just like heaven, 
we have heaven on earth. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined the things that you're prepared to do for your children who love you. And so, Lord, as we continue to press in, oh, yes, though the extended time of fasting is over, we don't stop pressing in. We keep moving forward. We keep studying your word and praying and being faithful to the house and giving and praising and thanking and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you the best days are ahead. As great as January has been, February will even be greater. As great as February is about to be, March will be even greater. And by the time this first quarter comes to an end, we receive the prophetic word. We will be in position for you to bless us. We'll be in position for you to bless us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. We give you praise for it. And we know that you have a quick word that's manifesting in our families' lives, ministries, and businesses in the name that's above every name, Jesus. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.